Welcome to the Global Elections Podcast. I'm Jason Manchester. For the last six months, since elections in December of 2015, the leaders of Spain's political parties have been negotiating the formation of a government. The election was inconclusive, and the parliament was too deeply divided both in terms of party composition and in terms of ideology. On June 26th, they go back to the electorate. Si me quieres escribir, ya saben mi Spain's democratic system crumbled in the 1930s when the military, acting with the support of the fascist powers of Germany and Italy, came out as the winning side of the Spanish Civil War. From 1939 until 1975, General Francisco Franco was the dictator of Spain, prohibiting independent political action, stunting the country's economy, political development, and civil society. Spain's transition to democracy began when he died. Shortly before his death, he installed Juan Carlos I, grandson of the former king, to act as an absolute monarch. Juan Carlos was expected to continue Franco's authoritarian regime, but after Franco died, he instead initiated the long process of building a stable democratic state in Spain. Like many democratic transitions, important state positions were occupied by men who had a stake in the system as it had been under the dictatorship. They owed their roles and finances to Franco, and, ideologically, they believed in Franquismo, a nationalist ideology that was anti-communist and saw the Catholic Church as an ally of the state. Add to all that the practical fact that these types of political changes so often end with those in power as defendants in a trial for crimes against humanity. For the sake of stability, then, the transition process was slow and, to a significant degree, it protected the interest of Franco's regime. Spain had no Truth and Reconciliation Commission. There were no trials for human rights abuses of the previous regime. In Spain, they call this the Pact of Forgetting, where, in order to facilitate the transition to democracy, they chose not to speak about the crimes committed by the military government. And while all of this sounds bad, it worked very well. Spain was the first example in history of a completely unforced transition to democracy. In 1981, there was an attempted coup on the transitional government on behalf of Frankist elements in the Spanish military, but it quickly collapsed. In 1982, the Spanish Socialist Party, which had been illegal up until 1977, convincingly won elections. The 1982 elections saw the rise of the two political movements that would dominate Spanish politics until today. The Partido Socialista Obrador Español, the Spanish Socialist Party, a center-left pro-European Social Democratic Party, and several parties that would, in 1989, become the Partido Popular, the People's Party, a pro-European coalition of conservatives, post-fascist Frankists, and Christian Democrats. For the last 25 years, Spanish elections have been dominated by this two-party system, split between left and right, with some nationalist parties taking a small fraction of seats. After their initial victory in 1982, the Socialists ran the government with a more or less absolute majority of seats until 1996. In 96, the country's closest election, the People's Party won its first mandate. They ran the country until 2004 when a set of bombings in the Madrid mass transit system turned public opinion against the government and returned the Socialists to power. In the face of economic uncertainty, Spain in 2008 again returned the Socialists, just a few seats short of an outright majority. Lo que piensas puede ser lo 
Spain is still feeling the effects of an economic crisis that began eight years ago. For our purposes, here's what you need to know. For many years, the European Central Bank's low interest rate policy made it cheap for all the countries in the Eurozone to borrow money in bond markets. Spanish governments took advantage of this to run large deficits. Over time, these deficits resulted in a debt-to-GDP ratio that made debt payments unsustainable. There just wasn't enough money coming in. Normally, a country in a debt crisis like this can follow a route of currency devaluation to stimulate demand, negotiation with lenders to reduce payments, and debt default. But as a member of the Eurozone, Spain no longer had control of its currency, and the debt was largely owned by the countries of Northern Europe, and so European leaders saw it as a crisis both for the borrower and for the lender, and refused to allow any significant debt forgiveness. Instead, Spain, and the countries of Europe that found themselves in crisis, had to accept changes that we tend to call the austerity policies. These included cutting social benefits like pensions, education, and health, cutting public service workers, and raising taxes. Along those lines, and amid a worsening economic situation then, the socialist government in 2010 slashed public spending and increased taxes, and brought in changes to the labor laws that were opposed by the major labor unions. All of this was very unpopular, leading to nationwide protests. So in the election of 2011, the Socialist Party was swept from power by the conservative Partido Popular. The PP won in every province except the Basque Country and in Catalonia. Both of those were won by regional nationalist parties. But over the next four years, the economic situation did not improve. Unemployment remained high, and the economic growth remained flat through 2014. Growth picked up somewhat in 2015, but by then, a series of political scandals had worn away at public confidence in the conservative government. If that weren't enough, there was a persistent sense of crisis surrounding the Catalonian separatist movement, which neither the government nor the socialist opposition seemed to be able to handle. Catalan independence had been a consistent issue in Spanish politics from before the Spanish Civil War, but it became more acute during the financial crisis. In 2014, the regional government held a referendum on independence. The non-binding referendum received 80% support, leading to questions about how Spain could survive as a unitary state. In regional elections in 2015, Catalonia gained international attention by voting in a majority for the separatist Together for Yes party. The yes was a reference to that referendum. Shortly after the regional elections, Spain held its general election in December of 2015. After a prolonged economic crisis, the governing Partido Popular had become very unpopular. But the Socialist Party was still considered to be a part of the austerity coalition. It was in this context that two new generation parties began their electoral rise, the left-wing Podemos and a centrist party called the Ciudadanos. While the two mainstream parties, the conservative Partido Popular and the Socialist Party, took first and second in the elections of December 2015, the big news out of that election was the third-place contestant, Podemos, who received 20% of the vote. Paso a paso al horizonte vamos llegando Miles de círculos, jardines de sueño Donde el pueblo habla libre y sin miedo Abriendo puertas y ventanas La nueva luz ilumine nuestra casa El ser humano por delante La carta magna sea la que nos guarde 
Spain provides an important global example of the decline of the center-left in favor of more hardline social democratic politics. From Bernie Sanders in the United States, to Jeremy Corbyn in the UK, to Syriza in Greece, we've been seeing an emerging opposition to center-left brokerage parties. Moderates who are interested in making deals with conservative parties on one hand and globalizing international institutions on the other are finding their coalitions fractured, as social movements on the left, movements interested in wealth redistribution to address income inequality, become involved with electoral politics. In the case of Labour in the UK and the Democratic Party in the US, these forces found their outlets within the existing Progressive Party. The movement found leaders who were unwilling to compromise with conservatives and tended towards the hard line. In Southern Europe, this pressure took on a different tone. The compromise that the mainstream left faced was a crisis of the state. In Greece, Pajic, a mainstream socialist party, was faced with the unenviable choice of leaving the EU and cutting ties with international creditors or accepting a basket of economic policy demands from Europe. They aligned themselves with their conservative rivals to maintain their position in the EU, and with that decision their coalition began to fracture. There was an immediate stampede of support to Syriza, a coalition of radical left-wing parties opposed to the European bailout package. Pajic, which had dominated Greek politics for decades, received 6% in last year's elections. But whereas in Greece, Syriza emerged as a coalition of long-active, far-left political groups and parties, in Spain, the left opposition emerged outside the party system, strictly a reaction to the effects of austerity on Spanish society. In January of 2014, a set of Spanish public intellectuals signed a manifesto saying that it was necessary to create a party that would contest the European elections from the left in order to oppose the pro-European, pro-austerity parties that dominated Spanish politics. The party was formed and signatures were gathered, and in May of 2014, Podemos contested the European Union elections. They received only 8% of the vote, but their leader dominated both social and traditional media the day after the election. The party had good communication skills and a strong social media presence, and in polls in late 2014 they found themselves at the top of public opinion polling. Their popularity dropped after that, and they spent most of 2015 around 13%, but during the general election in December, they had managed a good campaign and took 20% of the vote. That 7% of the electorate didn't come from the other two parties, however. It came from the centrist Ciudadanos, who had been polling around 20%, but ended the election at 11 What it looks like, if opinion polls are to be believed, is that there is a part of the Spanish electorate who will not vote for the two mainstream parties anymore. Podemos understand where their strength lies, and who their target voters are. The explicit aim of Podemos is, at this point, to turn the Spanish Socialist Party into Pajac, the Greek Socialist Party. Pedro Iglesias has stated that his goal is simply to overtake the Spanish Socialists and to force them into an anti-austerity coalition. Both Iglesias and the political class have been discussing what they call the Pajacization of the Socialist Party as a potential result of the upcoming election. As I said before, the December 2015 election proved inconclusive. Four major parties hold seats in the Spanish Cortes, and for the last six months they have been unable to form an agreement as to who will hold power. Podemos is unwilling to work with the socialists, and the socialists are unwilling to work with the conservatives. The centrist Ciudadanos do not have enough seats to make a difference. So far, opinion polls indicate that the same divided legislature may be in the works at the moment, although Podemos has pulled into second place ahead of the Spanish Socialist Party. Regardless of whether the Spanish Socialists join Podemos as an anti-austerity party, Spain's system of party competition is primed for change, and has already changed in a permanent way. For a generation, the Socialist Party and the Conservative People's Party have dominated Spanish politics. According to Spanish pollster Jamie Miguel, both the Socialist and the People's Party have an electoral base of about 20% of the population, 
but they have been losing the votes of youth, minority groups, and the unemployed. The constitution drafted during the transition to democracy enshrined a political leadership based on strong parties. Podemos and Ciudadanos represent values and claims that have long been excluded from the two-party system. But with the two long-dominant parties largely held responsible for Spain's current economic troubles, the rise of this new generation of social and political forces can only continue. The Global Elections Podcast is produced at the James Street Studios in Ottawa, Ontario by me, Jason Manchester. Special thanks this week to Craig Sauvé and to David Smith. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher, or whatever apps that steal from those sources. You can find me on Twitter at at JKManchester. Like us on Facebook at backslash Global Elections Podcast, and rate us on iTunes if you like the show. We'll come back for part two of Spain 2016 shortly before Election Day. Thank you for listening.